นโมทัสสะปะกาวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะปะกาวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะปะกาวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะพุทธังตัมมังสังกังนัมมาสามิสวัสดีไมโครโฟน States this week, I felt really sorry for you, Ajahn Bodhipala. Last week, when I think collapsed all the time, <laughs> quite disturbing. So um, I hope, um, yeah, the conditions are right and it works out, uh, or maybe things have been done and to improve the situation. And this is also something I'd like to talk about tonight, uh, which is um, paying attention to, say, a, a given situation, to a problem, or what the Buddha uh, would call wise attention, yoniso manasikara. It's um, also known as, um, say, deep reflection. Thorough investigation, um, say analysis, wise reflection. So, uh, whatever works, and it's actually not been talked about a lot. But when you do pay close or uh, wise attention, um, it is a theme that goes. You know, throughout the, the whole Buddhist teaching, the suttas, and it's it's a very important thing to um, be aware of, and it can be from say very uh, normal, ordinary to um, almost um, yeah, leading to uh, liberating, uh, freeing insights, and so as we are all here. Um, I think it's especially useful for us, say, uh, people from the West and educated people from the East and so on, as we we have this um, capability of <laughs> a lot of um, reflective impulses, and we do have a, a very thorough education and so on. So we should make use of it. It's uh, very important. Ajahn Chah, for instance, he uh, said always, and I'm quoting Ajahn Chah, <laughs> um, like his uh, Thai students, nuns and monks, they had like small hearts and easy for them, you know, to clean them up because it's a small place and not much to do. Um, but then easy for them to, to have them Clean and in a good space. Uh, where else his uh, Western disciples, they had like big mansions, and <laughs> so a lot of cleaning up to do, <laughs> and uh, therefore also a lot of work to do. But Ajahn Shah also said, uh, "Well, once the work is done, then they also have a very nice, big and and comfy living space. You know, with a lot of rooms." And a lot of comforts, and um, and that might have been even true, like say physically, maybe 30, 40 years ago, when Ajahn Chah uh, was 
at his um, height of the teaching and when he was doing a lot of teaching. And maybe then in Thailand also the, the housings, the lodgings, they were more simple um, than in the West. But even nowadays that I think also became more and more um, equal or it's at least on the way. And so I think it's also when you take the teaching, say, be a bit more uh, metaphysically, um, also like the uh, education in um, Thailand and poorer countries of the world also uh, increased a lot. So people from all over the world, they have quite a high standard nowadays of, um, say, connectedness and um, education and so on. So therefore, this can also hold through then for general, for people. But um, I think it's also important then to, to use that simile again, you know, to see then also um, what we, we have and we use the tools to clean our house in a, in a proper way, make good use of the tools. And, and one of those tools to clean up, say, when we have like a, a big space of reflection and thinking is, of course, that of Yoni uh, Somana Sekara, so wise reflection. There is also a, a story, um, you might have heard that uh, about, it's actually is a bit of a sad story, about a car accident a while ago where a, um, um, a, a priest was killed in, in a car and um, in a taxi, it was in fact a cab. And um, so as, uh, as they approached and the, the pearly gates, um, St. Pete opens the door and says, welcome to the, the cab driver and uh, to the priest. And say, oh, so who are you? And, and the taxi driver says, well, my name is, say, uh, Andrea Jones from Luton, 35 years cab driver. And St. Pete goes you know, to his iPad and says, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yes, it's very good, very good. Oh, wow, wow. Great, yeah. So he says, well, sister, welcome. You know, please um, come in, um, be really at home. And um, put your luggage, please, in this Rolls Royce. That will take you then um, to your mansion on the hilltop. And over there, you know, it, you have like a five-bedroom, seven-bathroom mansion there, two swimming pools, tennis court, all you need. You know, you have the syrups. Uh, these are the um, far-distance relatives of our devas. Um, they're playing celestial music for you. And, um, you know, at night time your five-star meal will be served. So, you know, really enjoy yourself. Have a good time. And then St. Pete goes on to the priest and asks him, so who are you? And the priest says, well, I'm uh, Father Brown, you know. Um, I, I was uh, leading a, a, a cherish church in um, St. Albans for the last 55 years. Yeah, and St. Pete again goes to his iPad and says, oh, wow, yeah, very good, very good, brother. It's good to have you here. Come in, please. And uh, please put your luggage on that card. You know, you can pull it um, to the um, foot of the hill and there's a cabin for you, you know, and it's all prepared, feel free. 
um, there is coke in the fridge, and if you want some food um, at 6 p.m., there is dinner in the canteen. And while the priest goes, hey, man, you know, I've been serving the, the Lord, I've been serving the Father for the last 55 years, and why do I get this? And this cab driver gets that big mention. And uh, St. Pete says, well, you know, as soon as people came into your church, they were falling asleep, but as soon as they got into her cab, they're starting to pray. <laughs> so... <laughs> talking about big and small mansions. <laughs> the Buddha talked also a, a lot about this wise reflection. Well, in fact, it's even uh, part of his awakening. And it's very interesting to see it, uh, a very good book of Nyanamoli Bhikkhu, The Life of the Buddha. And um, he describes sort of the um, Buddha's awakening uh, from three perspectives, like he, will, he uses the simile, like when you look at the tree, say from front, from above, and from below. And so he describes the Buddha's awakening uh, from those three perspectives. And one is, of course, the one most of us uh, are acquainted with, is like when the Buddha goes through a meditative process and then um, sort of sees or has the, the inside knowledges and through seeing and knowing, again, it's a conscious act of turning attention, looking deep, he abandons the taints and um, then also reveals the Four Noble Truths. So again, it's something which doesn't happen in a deep concentration, but it's a, it's a willful act of investigation and analysis. And uh, the second perspective of this enlightenment experience of the Buddha is that of uh, dependent origination, what we were just chanting earlier on in the funeral chantings. So when basically it describes uh, if there is uh, avicca, not knowing, ignorance, which leads then to unhappiness and suffering, or if there is knowing, wisdom, that leads to happiness. And that was uh, the other insight the Buddha had um, during his awakening process. Um, again, it's an, an act of investigation, of reflection. And the last of those three is that of looking, say, at the five khandhas. They were also chanted earlier on in this uh, funeral chanting in terms of their gratification, their danger, and their escape. So the asada, adinava, and uh, nisarana. So when, say, we look at the khandhas, um, the body, the, the sensations, the perceptions, the thinking, and the consciousness, and the danger, or the, say, the gratification could be, for instance, like the beauty of the body and the enjoyment of the body and the feelings. But then there's also a danger in it because, well, it's changing, it's not lasting. And the escape, the way out of that is basically the practice uh, empowered by the, the Noble Eightfold Path. So that um, gives us then freedom and detachment or non-identification and uh, non-clinging from 
those five khandhas, and this is what the Buddha again discovered in his awakening. So uh, once again, it's an an act of um, investigation and reflection. And um, so he revealed those things so for us that we can uh, put them into practice now and, and really use them in a, in a very good way. In a way, in fact, that leads us to then yeah, greater happiness and, and freedom. So the Buddha, the, during his lifetime, uh, for instance, he um, started uh, teaching his son Rahula when he was still a, a young boy, seven years old, um, after he'd been a bit um, cheeky, a bit dishonest. And he taught him about um, wise reflection. And he said to his son Rahula then, um, before you act by body, by speech, or by mind, you should reflect that wisely while you are acting by body, speech, or mind. You should reflect that wisely. And after you've acted by body, by speech, or by mind, you should reflect that wisely. And this is you know, something he told a seven-year-old boy. And I think this is also one very um, sort of mundane, straightforward teaching, but um, very important. And I think we can all try to uh, put this into practice. For instance, when we, before we act by body, speech, or mind, you know, thinking what is gonna come out of my mouth. <laughs> So, first of all, it's the act of thinking, you know, conscious, aware thinking, what I'm going to say, and then maybe to act. So, uh, for instance, today we had monks washing up. It's always a highlight on a Tuesday. And there was quite a lot of, for me at least, running around, and I had to be quite reflective of what I'm going to say, who I'm going to ask a particular question, who I'm going to make a joke with, who not. Um, or maybe I should better keep quiet, where I'm going to go, how am I, say, uh, walk in the kitchen, maybe fast-paced, or uh, to get work done and get out, out of the way so other people can have uh, space to work there, or should I maybe be slow and, and more careful with my movement and... So it's very important to, to have also this reflection beforehand. Also, again, maybe speaking about a, a monastic context, um, before breakfast, like for us it's the case as we don't eat at night time, it's almost 20 hours without food. And I can observe for me like the animal part of me comes out quite strongly. And in my exp from speaking from my experience living in community, it's the case for most of us. So I also, I always try to be careful before Preki not to bring up challenging themes or I try to be very careful what I say and how I say it. And because I know that there's a wolf in me and there's who might want to bite, you know, if I'm not careful or, or I might even get bitten then if, um, if I'm not careful. And so that is a reflection we can 
have um, basically in our daily life, but same while we are engaging in actions by body, by speech or by mind, we can be aware of what we are doing. Once we are, say, in a conversation, speaking to someone and we see, for instance, well, it's maybe we, we hurt someone's feelings um, or we're not really getting there where we want to go, maybe in terms of cause and effect, maybe even in terms of the Four Noble Truths, solving problems, finding solutions. Yeah, so maybe we can then reflect how we are interacting and then maybe change, you know, our speech, our mode of actions and then continue. But also during, not only during but after, um, we have acted by body, by speech or mind. My mind is a lot of times quite difficult, quite subtle, because the mind can be so yeah, fast and sometimes also very deceiving. But when we say have committed actions by, by body or by speech, again, good to look back. The Buddha called this Vimangsa, to see really, you know, how, where did I get with my actions? What did I achieve? What I didn't achieve? Did I get into a particular uh, way? Did I get near my goal or did I make a big mess? It's not a problem, but we can learn from it. And I think this is the importance about this Vimangsa because it's the learning, the self-educating uh, effect we get from this. So, say, when we are young, in our teenage years, you may be not so reflective, not so wise, at least I wasn't. And, you know, getting drunk on one weekend, I uh, so said to myself, oh, never again. And next Friday comes, you couldn't wait to get out again. And I think that's the case for many people. But then also as we age, as we grow, we have more opportunities to just by the mere fact that we are living longer lives and there's more experiences we're having um, to also then uh, gain from those experiences. But nothing necessarily guarantee that we're getting wiser or like milder with age and getting that uh, wisdom that comes with age. But there is a likelihood and... I have that feeling it's especially coming also when we go through experience, when we consciously go through experience, whether they are good or bad, that's not so much uh, the point here, but it's then learning from it. And even if we made a mess of the situation, we can learn from that and then maybe next time around or at least if you steps down the road later on, we can then, you know, gain a bit of an understanding and a bit of an wisdom and insight and maybe not do the same thing again. So this is the power of uh, looking back, of reflection and investigation as uh, such. So, um, while... Again, um, like this 
wise reflection can have um, many, many different ways of how to put it into place. And again, one very um, simple one is, for instance, um, for the monastic community, for the, the nuns and the monks, as we are alms mendicants, mendicants and um, we rely on, on the four requisites. So we encourage to do this chant quite a lot, uh, reflecting wisely on the requisites, that is, on our robes, on the lodgings, on arms food and the medicine to sustain us. And by using this reflection, this looking deep, we are encouraged then by the Buddha to gain also a, an understanding of why we're doing this. You know, using, for instance, our arms food, uh, not for fun, not for pleasure, but to feed the body, to keep it alive. And so it's the same for the others of those uh, foundations that um, support our um, spiritual lives. But also there's, there's more like um, reflections simply found in the, in the chanting books next to the reflection on the four requisites. You know, and they're not only for monastics, they are for all of us, you know, even whether we're Buddhists or not. It's like the, the reflection on the... Uh, something with five. The reflection on the five... That is very good. Thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> the five subjects for frequent recollection. So we can reflect upon them um, that we are actually of the nature to sicken, that we are actually of the nature to age and to die. And there is also a reflection that everything that we have, that we cherish, will change. So that's anicca in action. And the last of those is the one on cause and effect again, on karma. I am the owner of my karma, heir to my karma, born of my karma, related to my karma, abide supported by my karma. Whatever karma I shall do, of that I will be the heir. So by reflecting upon that, we are really turning our attention our focus towards what's real, towards the truth, towards the Dhamma. And, you know, gradually we change. We uh, get a better understanding of what is really, you know, going on with life. In Thailand, the masters, they speak a lot about using sanya and turn it into panya. So using, say, the, our ordinary everyday perceptions, sanya, you know, how we perceive things, how we label things, put them into boxes and so on and so forth, and turn that into panya, panya, which is the, the knowing, the wisdom. So by, by using those things in terms of, um, yeah, bring that wisdom aspect into it. And one very important uh, reflection over and over again is that on uh, the impermanence, anicca, looking again at 
um, things are, you know, not lasting. Those five reflections, for instance, you know, the body is not stable, um, health is not for sure, and also it will die in the end. Things do change, you know, everything that we have, that we own, that we cherish, will become otherwise, will become separated from us. So, um, very important to, to look into the aspect of the changeability and along with that then also on that of um, unsatisfactoriness of dukkha and as well as uh, non-self aspect. Um, because um, they go hand in hand and especially the one of Anicca, it's um, Ajahn Chah used it quite a lot as the, the, the gate opener, the gate to the deathless. Um, to see things in terms of impermanence is the first step to uh, gain, you know, better understanding and gain wisdom. The Buddha, in fact, he said, there's two things are foremost for the development of right view. One external and one internal. And one external is that word of another or a wise word. So that could be like uh, a wise friend, that could be study, say from the books, that could be a clip from YouTube, you know, that could be a well, Dhamma clip or something along those lines, that could be also um, listening to a Headspace app or you know, downloading something from Inside Timer. Um, these are all skillful means to get that external input. And we just had a school class here not that long ago. And very interesting, they were part of the Headspace sort of curriculum. And Headspace is an app of which you can download on your phone and which has a lot of meditation instructions. I believe I don't use it. I use Inside Timer. Um, and um, so with that, you, you give maybe it gives you maybe reflections, guided meditations, uh, access to different teachers all over the world. I assume. And those uh, school class, they were part of the the Headspace. Uh, curriculum. So every morning they were doing like a 10-15 minute uh, guided meditation and reflections and so on and so forth. And I really felt like, wow, you know, they, are, they knew already so much in terms of of the, the Buddha Dhamma. You know, I didn't have to say so much anymore. And but what I found quite cute is when I was doing a bit of a guided meditation with them, and I, I thought, okay, we can start at quite a uh, advanced level, and I, I skipped all the preliminaries, <laughs> so to speak, and basically went to uh, body sweeping, and I said, now imagine breathing in through your hands, and most of them took their hands and put them in front of their nose and their mouth, and they were breathing very cute through their hands. <laughs> I said, well, imagine now breathing through your hairs, and then the girls took their hairs, <laughs> and put them in front of their mouth and their nose, their, their ponytail. So, <laughs> so even though they knew quite a lot, there was still this kind of childish, innocent playfulness <laughs> involved in that. 
So uh, this is the, the external uh, factor, the foremost for developing uh, samadhiti, right view, is uh, the word of another. And even, you know, Ajahn Chah, he said, you know, throw away your books. And you probably heard all those famous teaching, or when he probably apparently said to Lung Sumedho, you know, get your books. And um, because Lung Sumedho, he was a, uh, a keen reader in his early monastic stages, and he might still be. And uh, lock your book in a cupboard and throw the keys away. And it was probably also very true for this time and space and for the environment, for the conditions. But that's my humble feeling. I think it's also important, especially for us living in, in this environment, this condition, uh, to use, again, you know, what we have and, and put it into work by reflecting upon it and also maybe get some more input uh, to reflect upon that, and therefore uh, it's not a crime to, to read books and get more and more acquainted with uh, the Buddhist teaching, especially as we normally don't come from a, a Buddhist background, so we can then really get more and more acquainted with that, and, and that's me saying that um, I'm not a good reader at all. I, I, was, I didn't grow up with books, and, and again, cause and effect. I tried to read like 20 minutes today and I couldn't do more. It was too much for me. So, um, But uh, still, I, I would say it's, I would encourage it. It's, it's very, uh, very useful. And because that, having that sort of the raw information, that input, that can then also lead to the, the second aspect, which is the internal uh, foremost condition which leads to right view, which is yoniso manasikara. So is that wise reflection? And by having, say, picking or picked up some information from books, from talks, we can ponder them over, we can churn them over, think about them, and then come to another level of understanding by, by doing that. So when it comes to wisdom development, um, it's also said like it's a, a, like a threefold development of um, wisdom. And um, the first step is like the, um, the, the wisdom that comes from learning. So say like um, reading, listening to a, a, a talk on, on YouTube, listening to a Dhamma talk, talking, investigation, um, um, or even talking with friends, Dhamma. And then the second stage is that of uh, pondering that further, you know, thinking that over what one has picked up on raw material and um, pondering that over. That's uh, the, the second stage of uh, the, that wisdom development. And, um, and the third one is then um, that which comes from practice from a bhavana, you know, from that 
um, doing the practice. This is the Bhavana Mahapanya, which is then that wisdom which is uh, leading deeper and maybe gives us also more deeper understanding of ourself. So, and um, yeah, say, by, by using this investigation of uh, reflection, um, we see it is, it's, it's very much all pervasive, say, on, on a very um, mundane level, say, having um, conversations, doing it by body, by speech or mind, by actions, by reflecting on what we're having, by bringing up reflections and churning them over, having the reflections on the five subjects, but also say the um, there's reflections on the universal well-being. This is, stands um, as for the Brahma Vihara, so we can also reflect that over. And the more and more we do this reflection, the more and more it also becomes then like second skin. It's like using this uh, simile again of using uh, sanya externally more and then turning it gradually with a lot of patience into a panya, into wisdom, discernment. So the teaching also cover more aspects. It's also, it helps us if we do use our mindfulness, our awareness, which is a prerequisite for this Yonisomanasikara to sort of stay clear of the mental impurities and very normal, not normal ones, but on a, um, on a mental level is the, the hindrances, for instance. And the, the hindrances, um, they have a forerunner. And the forerunner is that of um, unwise reflection. So if we reflect unwisely, then there's a likelihood that the five hindrances, or one of them, or all of them together, come into play and create problems for us. So it's not only that the five hindrances, they come to unwise reflection or to, um, say, in impetus, but it's more like a combination. So when it comes to sitting meditation, say we, we sit and we are getting really, really cozy and <laughs> become really drowsy. And it's not so much then only that there is the drowsiness which is impinging in us. It's also how we pay attention. If we pay wise attention, then it's right. We can do something about it. If we do pay unwise attention, we might fall prey to it and we you know, start falling to doze off. But if we pay wise attention, we become aware to the act of mindfulness and we see, okay, right, getting really, really heavy here, so we might do something about it. We open our eyes, that's a um, legitimate way to do it. You know, we maybe pay more attention of the flow of energy, the breathing in the body, letting it invigor invigorate the body, or, you know, we... Um, um, bring up a different reflection in our meditation so that we 
do reflect wisely and therefore get um, become a master of that particular um, mental impurity of that particular hindrance or not only in meditation you know it could also be in our daily life say someone uh, enters a room and that person is kind of annoying you know uh, the way that person speaks the way that person uh, interacts the way that person um, shares things the maybe the the pitch the, the voice of that person it might be irritating for us but it's not only that external voice that external person that is giving us a hard time that, that is giving us difficulties it's also how we reflect upon this and if we reflect upon this wisely again we are, might be on the winning side if we reflect upon this unwisely and we might fall into crutches or we might blame or we might want to run away or whatever we want to do we might want to charge that person so whatever <laughs> we we decide to do but if we reflect say wisely we can bring up the reflection on karma cause and effect and see okay maybe that person you know speaks the way it speaks or he or he or she because you know used to come from that and that environment or um, you know that that person um, is um, in a particular way um, so we're looking at cause and effect or we can uh, put the reflection up on on say compassion and kindness and feeling yeah compassion kindness understanding for that person as not to fall prey for those um, hindrances. So if you want to talk about how to deal with them, another form of wise reflection mentioned before is that of using really using the uh, reflection on impermanence, uh, on unsatisfactoriness, on non-self, because they lead us away from a lot of times from our habituation because we tend to see normally things in terms of um, permanence when they are impermanent and uh, we tend to see things in terms of uh, say uh, satisfaction satisfying and when they are in fact when they are not satisfying we tend to have the tendency to see things um, in terms of um, self when they are in fact non-self or the same this is what the say unreflective and unwise mind does in seeing things in terms of um, beauty when things are actually are not beautiful and this is what the buddha called the the vipalasa the, it's like a, um, a twistness twistedness of the mind and they um, they get reinforced over and over again by the way, again, we uh, perceive things. This is a sanya, vipalasa, and then um, we think about them in a particular way in terms of, say, permanence. You know, it's all permanent. 
oh, this will never end, you know, this horrible Dhamma talk here, you know, when is he going to come to an end? And uh, will be forever, you know, but we, we, if if our mind is set up in this way, and I don't blame you, then um, we're falling prey again for this um, defilement of, of the mind, yeah? And this, again, conditions the way we see the world, which is then our view, and this view informs again how we perceive, how we cognize our experience, our world. So we see it's a, uh, it's uh, this is kind of a vicious cycle which uh, strengthens itself by by putting gradually a our attention wisely reflecting on impermanence, on selflessness, yeah, on um, not beauty, on dissatisfactoriness, we can gradually change the way we are engaging, we seeing things, we view the world and ourselves and externally and then create a more wholesome being uh, which is more in line with the truth. So there's many, many ways and, um, you know, in a way having like this great teachers like uh, Lung Sumedo and uh, Ajahn Amaro, they actually, they talk quite a lot about reflection, investigation. They might use different words for it, but um, they, they use it quite a lot. So therefore, we, we do have actually, when we listen attentively, paying close attention to their teachings, we have quite a, a very broad uh, base, like a, a rich... Um, filled bowl with, with all the juicy bits and pieces in there. We can just, you know, pick up and use them. And as, especially when I think about Lumpur Sumedo, when he talks about uh, the sound of silence. And this is one means of doing wise reflection by just staying with the sound of silence and investigating the sound of silence, letting it do its thing but then also letting thinking do its thing. So there's actually just the observance of the sound of silence in the background and thinking happening. And there's actually nowhere really to, to go, to push or to manipulate, but just observe the thinking. And by then also seeing, well, thinking is there most of the time, isn't it, in our mind? <laughs> it's just um, due to causes and conditions, you know, coming into play, doing its thing, and ceasing again. Using the sound of silence, reflecting, using then the thinking of seeing its natural occurrence and by being with that without sort of manipulating or trying um, to get thinking to an halt, to an end, we can be with the flow of thinking. And this is Yoniso Manasikara, this is wise investigation. Because when we look at thinking, it's like the Buddha described it in his teaching it's just one of the sense 
objects. And so same as seeing, you know, we have eyes, so therefore we see. We have a mind, therefore we think. It would be foolish to say that we could completely be in charge of our thinking and, at, uh, say, command, um, stop thinking, which is a lot of times maybe a, um, an understanding what meditation means. But that's not the case. We can, if the causes and conditions are right, thesing happens. Thinking comes to an end as well. Thesing, thinking comes down. Thinking becomes more and more um, quiet, subtle, and in line with the Dhamma. And if the conditions are not there, thinking might be chaotic <laughs> all over the shop. But that's also part of it. It's the same as hearing, smelling, tasting. It's just an object. So by using the sound of silence and observing that, thinking, observing it with wise reflection, yonuso manasikara, we see it's coming, it's going. Wise reflection in the background. Wise reflection in the foreground. <laughs> so just doing that, it's already quite light and joyful because we don't have to force anything. We can just be with that thinking. And while doing this, we can also be playful with thinking. Say, Lung Sumido, he used thinking in, in many, many ways according you know, to his teaching. And sometimes he, he used it even like um, ad absurdum, like he said, okay, this monk or this nun in the community, you know, that really is the worst person in, in the whole universe. And without that person, you know, life would be much better. There would be no more suffering in this world, on this planet, in this whole universe, you know, if this person w would not be here. And then again, taking up this wise reflection, looking at it and thinking, well, that's not really true, you know. <laughs> it's maybe what I'm imagining, you know. But this is skillful thinking, making skillful use of our thinking abilities. Using our thinking in terms of maybe deliberate thinking. By deliberate, maybe bringing up a theme. Oh, thinking comes to an end. It does it for me quite a lot. If I want to do something, think about something, or just tell myself, now think, blank, nothing happening. So skillful means of stopping thinking. And we can employ those techniques as we go. A lot of times I bring up a thought in my mind and I use it as a reflection, like a, a mantra. This is also a way of skillful thinking. And just for me, very simple, I say in Nandio sei froh in German. It's Nandio. It's a rhyme, as you, you might get out of it. <laughs> Nandio sei froh. Nandio, be happy. You know, so I use that as a skillful thinking. Be happy. Be happy. And it 
many times it also does the trick, you know, it keeps me from, say, proliferating, but then also it um, makes me happy. And this is really what also Yoniso Manasikara can be used as, as a counter of proliferation, because by using thinking in a skillful way, we don't have to fall actually prey to our thinking. It's quite the opposite. We, become, we can become more and more master of our thinking by using Yonisomanasikara, bringing up a theme of reflection. And that works particularly well when we are, say, listening to the sound of silence. You know, we are there, we are centered, embodied awareness, and then bringing up a theme and thinking it over and having actually the steering wheel in hand so we can direct our thinking with a little bit of skill. We can go into certain direction and we can observe thinking and when thinking stops then and we can encourage it to go on again and we can investigate in a certain area, maybe cause and effect of our life, about the Buddha's teaching, whatever there may be. And that thinking, that wise reflection, that is quite, or is the direct opposite of, say, uh, our normal thinking, which the Buddha called papancha, which is you know, just one thing leading to another. It's basically um, this associated thinking and um, which, um, yeah, we have most of the time, you know, something happens with us, something comes into our consciousness, we think it over, and then another thing happens, and another thing, and another thing. So it's, for instance, um, looking at this um, meditation hall here, looking at the, at the beautiful oak, beam structures, uh, green oak and so on, and then you think, oh man, must have been huge trees, you know, where, they, where did they get that wood from, where did they get the timber from, and then, wow, you know, nowadays it's actually, it's a crime almost, you know, to really, to cut down so many trees, you know, it's uh, in terms of environment, being envi environmental conscious and being, you know, aware of environment and then oh yeah you know where is this all gonna lead you know and then just thinking about the news last night you know um having heard all the um, carbon emissions again 2018 massive increase and then seeing photographs of islands being flooded all oh, the world is coming to an end so and this happens maybe in one and a half seconds or even shorter but in the beginning we were at the a beautiful structure of the temple, quite a nice thought, you know, beautiful temple, nice environment, a nice evening here, and all of a sudden we are in a big depression, you know, by, by uh, the world is coming to an end. And so this is the unreflective thinking, this is papancha, but if we use skillful thinking, wise thinking, we don't have to fall prey into the, for this one, we can be aware of what we are doing and encounter this uh, papancha, this unwise 
thinking and therefore be more in line with the truth, with the Dhamma, with nature, and with, the, with that, with um, the way things really are. So there is uh, many, many ways how we can say use this uniso manasikara and I could say much more but uh, I think uh, I don't want to go um, overboard and uh, maybe just to to finish up it's um, then also that thinking as started off with the Buddha's enlightenment you know which was a uh, a life changer, not for only for the Buddha, because then he, you know, he, he became from an ordinary person to a, a an enlightened being. But it's also it can be the case for us too. So by using just ordinary reflections on our robes or how we engage with other people, how we act and how we think, but then also it can be really brought to more deeper wisdom topics, which is, say, looking at the, the Four Noble Truths. And when we see the Four Noble Truths, like the First Noble Truth, and it comes also with a, a task to do, and the First Noble Truth goes, well, there is dissatisfaction, there is unhappiness in our life and the task for that is well we have to understand that and how do we understand it by turning our attention to that so we need um, a directed a um, pointed thinking of uh, first of all even getting to the, the first noble truth and by understanding that there is joy in our lives, but there is also unhappiness in our lives. So turning the mind towards that, reflecting deep, reflecting wisely, and encompassing that first noble truth, and then that is the opener again for uh, the other of those noble truths, the second noble truth, the cause of our unhappiness, um, which is then again to abandon. We, we need to do this by being aware, by being conscious, by being on the ball and by looking at this. And uh, also then the third noble truth by realizing it. And realizing is a very conscious, aware act of doing it. So uh, by paying close, wise attention to it. And, and the fourth noble truth is, of course, the, the Noble Eightfold Path, which then, in, uh, with the cultivation and the power of the cultivation, empowers us, strengthens us to, uh, to, to walk that way of, yeah, letting go then, and uh, by in wise reflection, coming to a much better life. So, um, I would say thank you for reflecting those words and
um, yeah, hope you can make use of it and continue with a reflection at a later stage. This is what it's there for. And this is why, yeah, we, we all have the capa capacity of um, our consciousness, our reflective skills, our um, to, to use reflection to come from the ordinary to the highest truth, to the highest happiness and the highest peace. <laughs>